0: The, the workplace, as we know at the office, is a very limited uh, space that yeah. has contained work in the history of work, right? Yeah. Um, and the other thing to remember is that the office is an invention. You know, we we take it uh, as a natural phenomenon that <laughs> yeah. that's where we go, and there's yeah. all these assumptions that Picturing we need. Picture
1: the hunter gatherers sitting there carving their sticks in the office.
0: Exactly right, <laughs> but it's an invention, not different from a- any other ones. And yeah. if it was an invention, then it means it can be reinvented.
2: Hey guys, welcome to Adventure Fit Radio today. Who we have on the show is uh, Doctor Augustine. Chavez. So Agustin is um, a workplace environmental um, specialist. That's definitely not what he would call himself. That's just what, I, uh, what I'm what i calling him. So basically, he's an architect who uh, moved into a field of uh, designing and reshaping workspaces, the places that we work. So we actually had a really fascinating chat about um, workplace happiness uh what makes a good workplace isolation of uh of the human mind um basically a little bit about artificial intelligence taking over our jobs and and um universal basic income and making sure that people you know people still have meaningful work in the future it was actually really cool he's a mad dog um i really loved talking to him and you guys will really love the show so uh, before you go and check the show you can head to check out our sponsors they are trueprotein.com.au um, if you go to True Protein you can use the code ADVF and get 10% off their whole range so they have everything that you want for training and supplementation wise they've got it and have general health and wellness um, they've got slow release proteins um, MCT oils superfood powders um healthy cake mixes, protein cakes and and, um, so on and so forth, creatines, um, amino acids, everything that you could ever want, they've got it, and you can get it for 10% off using the code ADVF. So check out trueprotein.com.au, use the code ADVF. We are also brought to you by AdventureFit Travel. Head to www.adventurefittravel.com and uh, you'll find all of our trips that we have coming up. We have... Everest Base Camp is the next one that I'll be leading. That departs mid-April, and it is um, genuinely the trip of a lifetime—the best time you'll ever, you'll ever have. Basically, just getting up early, working hard with um, with great people, making friends, seeing the most glorious um, surroundings you'll ever see, and then sitting down and uh, and enjoying each other's company at night, and doing it all again the next day. It's it's really the best of the best. So. If you are interested in that trip, then make sure you make an inquiry, and you can also get 10% off there as well using the code RADIO. So that is www.adventurefittravel.com. Check it out. And here's the show with Dr. Augustine Chavez. Now before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Rule number one, no touching of the hair or face. Yo! Discovery <laughs> Roger, go for deploy. Where did we come from? Are we alone in the universe? What is the future of the new universe? Can we leave if you want to live?
1: I did. Giggity, that
2: girl. Giggity, 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 giggity. A high powered mutant of some kind never.
1: Too rare to die. All right, so uh, we're here with uh, Doctor Agustín Chavez. Um, Where does your name come from, Agustín? Well, I'm Mexican. Mexican. (laughs) Yeah, cool. It's a very Latin name. Yeah, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we're we're here to talk. well, we're here to talk all things, um, all things work, the, the workplace, the future of the workplace. Um, Agustin, uh, what I might do is um, best place to start. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do?
0: Yeah, well, um, as we're saying, I'm Mexican, I, I, but I've been here in Melbourne for 14 years or so. Mm-hmm. I came here to do um, a master's uh, following uh, studies in architecture. And uh, the moment I landed in Melbourne, I knew I was going to be here for the long run. Yeah. Beautiful city. And um, after finishing my master's, I it was in project management. So I went to the dark side and worked for the builder. Uh, yeah, a big no, no, no. But Sold actually, out. <laughs> <old>. Corporate boy. <laughs> but good money, though. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but I got <laughs> to experience the project from the other side. Uh, When I was an architect, I thought we have the biggest job and they said, the the builders, they just need to do it. We told them everything how to do it. It (laughs) it was actually a beautiful uh, experience. Eventually came back to my roots in architecture and um, went back to my field and um, then did a PhD in workplace architecture.
1: Yeah, cool so what does workplace architecture actually mean so like when you when you're doing a PhD and something like that what are the what are the outcomes where did you expect to take that like what are your yeah
0: um, what I find fascinating is that um I do find uh, people when they think about workplaces they just think office right and yeah. and perhaps even boring or dull spaces uh, what I found fascinating about this environment is that it it might have the clue of what it means to be human as, and more so in this day and age that with technology and AI is pushing what we can or cannot do and what defines us. Um, therefore, if workplaces are the place that we execute work is what we are meant to do of what highlights or means to be human. So one of my, um, conclusions of my PhD and my research was that the more technology that we develop through AI and all that the more human the environments we design needs to be Mm. so to nurture those qualities
1: Mm. and what would you call a human design what would you call what's a typical uh, what's a typical mark of a of a human design workplace a human friendly workplace Uh, I think we'll have to be
0: an environment that nurtures those qualities um, and perhaps a messiness. You know, um, we we have an idea of um, of work which sometimes does it's not in alignment of um, of the human attributes that goes behind it. So sometimes mm-hmm. we favor very aesthetic, beautifully uh, pleasing spaces, mm-hmm. which uh, they look beautiful when you take a picture in a magazine. You know but perhaps not so much when you pull people in yeah. and, and it's not conducive of the type of behaviors that are mm-hmm. that will promote uh, innovation or things yeah. like
1: that. Well, I suppose um, the world's changing so fast. You know, If you think back even 50 years, there probably wasn't... I'm not sure you'd probably know better than me, but there probably wasn't anywhere near as many people working in small confined spaces and, uh, and high-rise office buildings. So it's probably... Um, we're probably going against our um, our past and our evolution to be free-flowing and moving and and, uh, and active as human beings. So, how much of your role is trying to craft, um, you know, efficiency in the workplace, happiness in the workplace? Like, what's the what's the benefit of workplace architecture? What are you trying to achieve? <sighs> Well,
0: what, is, what we need to remind ourselves is that if we think about the history of work, mm-hmm. you know, from civilizations and how we, the, the workplace as we know at the office is a very limited uh, space that yeah. has contained work in the history of work, right? Yeah. Um, and the other thing to remember is that the office is an invention. Mm-hmm. You know, we we take it uh, as a natural phenomenon. That <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's where we go, and there's yeah. all these assumptions that Picture we in need. Picture
1: the hunter gatherers <laughs> sitting there carving their sticks in the office.
0: Exactly right. <laughs> but it's an invention, not different from a- any other ones. And yeah. if it was an invention, then means it can be reinvented. Mm-hmm. And it was invented uh, back in the time with certain um, uh, context that they have to. They have. St- Top being relevant, you know, they're not relevant anymore. So we have new context that is perhaps what is fueling these new ways of working, you know, uh, office, mm-hmm. people working from other people's homes, uh, co-boats, people working in boats, um (laughs) co-boat (laughs) co-boat
1: right that's just just people boating yeah that's just going out for a nice day on the water (laughs) why
0: not Or co-workation you know mixing uh, work uh with holidays Mm -hmm. and so on so it's all these different ways of mixing uh, the activity of work with Mm -hmm. different environments and Mm -hmm. spaces
1: really interesting i'm actually uh, obviously a member here at the commons it's a co co-working space and even that concept to me 5 years ago was very uh, very new um now it's very much thanks to we work and thanks to just the growth of co-work space being very very popular it's it's common i say i work from a co-work and people understand what i'm what i'm talking about you know um but this is this is very interesting because i feel like um i feel like and we'll probably touch something on uh, along these lines but Um, I feel like, yeah, as humans, we are very isolated now. Um, And I'm a big person, uh, I'm a big believer in the third space. So you have your home, you have your office, and you need your third space, your community, basically, your gym, your knitting club, whatever that is. Um, But we had a woman in here that that came in, and I remember I basically was eavesdropping the conversation. Uh, She was just getting interviewed and and shown around um, doing a tour, basically, there's a French woman and she told me, she sat down and, uh, she didn't tell me. She sat down. She, she was, um, she was just in earshot of me and she was talking about, um, co-living spaces that were really big in Europe. So they would have like a, like a university dorm, but for adults, basically where there was a kitchen, communal kitchen, communal lounges, so forth. And you've got your rooms and then everyone comes like a big hostel for adults yes. that people live in, uh, um, permanently, which I thought was a fascinating concept because. The, the the whole flow of the workplace and trying to re envision it, is it you have to still get work done, but is it to have it be a more community friendly environment?
0: Yeah, so one of the questions that we ask is if we're still continue to build workplaces, what is the purpose of it? The purpose of it will be in alignment or should be in alignment with what the what work's gonna be, right? So we need to make the distinction between activities, what you, the activities that you do, and work. So for example, you can do Excel, spreadsheets, document word, documents, whatever, wherever you want. Those are the activities. But work is much more important than that. Uh, work gives you a sense of belonging, identity, purpose, etc. So what we believe if, is that the workplace should be more like a social stage. Yeah. Perhaps apart from the functional aspect of it, of allowing you to, it has to, of course, allows you to yeah. do that. But again, those types of, of activities, you can do them um, different spaces. The importance of the workplace perhaps is to be a social stage where it communicates leadership. Leadership is very socially, uh, dependent it's, it's a construct that is developed by a social context network so um, and again how do you read purpose or sense of belonging through space so perhaps it's more like that's the type of environments that allows you to communicate those values rather than a place that you go and just do your your tasks
1: mm. yeah well um, this place in particular is really great this place here um, the commons it's a, it's a, obviously the co work. like I said there's three different levels and it's, it's built very much communally so that people can network uh, you know make friends build connections so on and so forth and there's a lot of infrastructure built around that you know we have lots of wellness activities lots of um, Friday night Activities We have a trivia night on the, on the weekend now. Yeah. So um, to try and make, I suppose, the workplace somewhere that you really want to get up and go to rather than exactly. somewhere that you dread getting up and going to. Um, so let me ask you this. This is something that I've, um, I've seen debated. Um, de- not debated. I've just seen articles talking um, on both sides. And it's the open plan um, workspace compared to cubicles. So... At first glance, you would imagine that open plan is much better. You know, much more f- free flowing. You don't feel like you you know, you've got the blinkers on and you're just there to work and so on and so forth. But then I've also heard a lot of negative. or oh, sorry, I've read a, a couple of articles um, that were talking about the negative aspects, uh, basically for efficiency with work. Where do you stand on on how a workplace should actually be laid out and designed in that regard?
0: Yeah, it's dominated currently, uh, perhaps the debate or the dialogue around workplace design. But in my opinion, I think it's the wrong end to study workplace. Uh, it's like saying shorts or jeans or like, what are you going uh, sure. to use it for? You know, yeah. what you wear or the spaces that you require are different based on the activities that you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And perhaps because it worked for someone, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for you. Um, But also another important thing that is overlooked is the policy and the things that has to go with that environment. So, for example, I like to use the analogy of a chessboard. On a chessboard, you can play checkers and chess, two completely different games, Mm -hmm. followed by different policies, different outcomes, processes. But the physical environment is the same. Yeah. I mean, you can achieve different goals in the same space. So sometimes we overlook the policies that run those environments. And we adopt open space, but we don't change the policies that should be uh, guided. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's this balance of of, um, the policy that runs space with environment. Because if you don't match them, then that's when you have these problems. And then you get the worst of both environments. I think there are merits in open plan and I think there are a lot of merits in um, cellular offices. Uh, for example, collaboration, you know, one of the biggest um, uh, promoters of, um, of, of having open plan is that it increases collaboration or serendipity interactions and all this and that. Uh, however, we have come to realize that collaboration has a cost. It has economic cost. People having people in a room will cost money, also time, cognitive cost, bureaucracy cost of people collaborating. Um, so now the blanket statement of collaborate more has been uh, further studied that perhaps it's not everybody talking to everybody a bit more nuanced and some people talk t- talking mm-hmm. to other people, a bit more t- interactions by design. Um, and so one of the other side of the scales that I've been studying recently is this concept of isolation, uh, which perhaps goes against the grain of the move to collaboration. But around two years ago, I, I worked for a design studio. And we have an office in Sydney as well, so as it happens, in a w- couple of weeks, I travel quite often uh, back and forth from Melbourne and Sydney. Yeah, and um, and I will see people from the Melbourne studio there and so on. So by then, I have seen all the movies in in the plane and all this and that. So I was bored beyond belief, and I was just reading as you do Darwin theory of evolution <laughs> on the plane back. and
1: Reading the dictionary. <laughs> yes,
0: <yeah, laughs> pretty much. And, as, and I was reading a power up the, that said um, of the Galapagos Island, uh, the Iguanas, I don't know if you're familiar with that. That uh, one strand of Iwan has arrived to three different uh, islands. Yep. And through isolation and through millions of years, they evolved very differently. Mm-hmm. One is a sea-going one, other one is more land-based, and so on. And there was this conclusion that said that um, isolation created the, that diversity. And in mm-hmm. fact, it's a geographical isolation that created all the diversity in species.
1: Yeah. So- there's, a very, uh, there's a very interesting book, um, Guns, I think it's Guns, Germs, and Steel by Jared Diamond. And it talks about the cultural diversity from, um, I think it was the wherever, damn it, I've, I've stuffed this up, but wherever everyone, everyone came from, ah, the Polynesian Islands, then ended up Hawaiians, um, New Zealanders, um, so on and so forth, and how their cultures became so radically different over a very short period of time, and it was because of that isolation and, the, and the, everything that they had around them that they had to adapt to. Exactly uh. right, and now
0: I'm Mexican, which was very significantly different from Australia and so on, mm-hmm. but now everybody has an Apple store, you know? So this yeah. connectivity... Uh, tends to bring um, to blend um, cultures or even genes or so my question was to what extent are we making ideas blend and we're missing that very distinct unique idea so my assumption was that um collaboration increases the amount of ideas, like a very successful a colony of iguanas, you breathe re- and reproduce a lot within that same strand. Whereas isolation might create diversity, diversity of ideas. So back then, I got this idea, well, what will happen if instead, if I have an idea and instead of sending an email to Sydney or jumping into a plane or whatever, I actually have to walk? How will that idea um, evolve through time and um, what type of idea will it become when I arrive to the other side? That was too crazy to actually do it. So I went back to bed and say all oh, of that. But eventually the idea kept coming back and back and back. And eventually one day I said, well, I'm actually going to do it. So one day I just put a backpack and uh, set off to Sydney with the idea of incubating. And it, it, I adopted the, um, not a framework, but this philosophy of the pilgrimage. So I was uh, isolated. I didn't listen to music. Uh, I got bored, mm-hmm. very, very bored, and and, Jeez. and I was not,
1: a, not surprised to be honest. Obviously. Well, yeah,
0: after, <laughs> after hours and hours of walking. But you know what? Um, one of the insights was the beauty of bored of being bored, mm-hmm. uh, and how you can really think differently about things when we're obsessed with you know instant gratification and stimulus through all the different social media and so yeah. on
1: that's fascinating um there's a couple of points there that i totally could understand and that's uh what one of them is just having that clarity to be isolated to actually work on ideas in your own mind um i've done every space camp uh Ever space camp trek twice um and I'm actually doing it again in April. Um, and some of my best ideas that I've come up with business-wise is when I'm deep in a trance of just, you know, one step after the other going through some kind of hard work on a, on a long hike and I've got an idea in my head and it, it actually has a chance to ruminate for, for an hour without too much conversation, without too much, you know, here and there because realistically – we try and get into deep work at work, you know, obviously the term deep work, you know, shut everything off. Okay, cool. This is, I'm going to focus on this one task, but even that it's so hard to not get taken away with your mind or with actual people, physical interruptions, so on and so forth. So yeah, I've, I've noticed very much so a couple of times when I've been on these long hikes that I actually, I have my notes in my phone and they're just getting pumped with ideas and iterations and, it actually is a really nice time to be able to let something stew in your mind and, and, and let it take its own form rather than get influenced or interrupted. or. Absolutely. And you are on a very important point that
0: it's not the idea of just being isolated forever, but this idea to be isolated enough so that you give your ideas enough strength for them to evolve mm. before they get blended to this massive pool of ideas. So, um, again, going back to the iguanas, these iguanas, uh, they can survive. There's two different strands that they cannot uh, breathe between each other. Mm-hmm. They're strong enough to be have their own identity and be individual. So, what you do is by being isolated, you can create your own idea that uh, will be significantly different.
1: Yeah, an idea that would stand alone, yeah. basically, in that analogy. Um, that's very interesting because it's – it's we are – I mean, it really is talking about the fact that the world is becoming one, one culture, you know, and it's probably – it's not a good thing, you know. Some of the – I think some of the greatest minds that we've had in, in the history of, you know, the history of humanity have been very reclusive, very – you know, they've sat and ruminated on their ideas for – Probably too long. Sometimes a lot of them <laughs> went cra- uh, pretty crazy, but um, yeah. So that's an interesting concept. See, when when you talked about um, isolation, I was obviously coming at it from the negative standpoint. We discussed before the show, but when we we very briefly said that it'd be cool to talk about the isolation part, because I think of isolation. I think of isolation in in a negative way you know I think of the term as as a very negative thing. I think of um, social media being isolated by you know into the well connected in the friendships that that live in your phone um, isolation with you know public transport making you know to and from work the the, the one bedroom apartment in the in the city and that the office cubicle but this isolation is is very much um, positive as you say, but how do we how do we talk about the other side of isolation and the, the day and age that we live in, particularly in, the, in relation to the workplace? How do we make sure that we have that right mix of being able to have unique ideas and so forth, but still having such a community that somebody wants to get out of bed and actually go to work?
0: So that's a very important point. So the, um, there's an objective quality of you being by yourself. That's aloneness. Mm. So you're alone. And that can be then manifested in um, isolation, which is a negative outcome of that. Mm. Or solitude, which is a positive one. Um, one will uh, withdraw you, have very significant uh, psychological problems and so on. And the other one um, will allow you to be creative. And, and that's the one that we would like to foster. Uh, How one will manifest and what the other one is very complicated. Uh, There's this, um, after finishing my walk, I was invited to write an article following an incident with a couple of researchers. I don't know if you uh, know this, but uh, there were a couple of researchers in Antarctica working in a very isolated weather station. And one guy was reading books and the other guy kept telling him the endings. So one day the, the guy got fed up and stabbed him.
1: Whoa.
0: So... That is,
1: I would do the same thing. <laughs> you, I mean, talking yeah. about uh, spoiler alerts. Jon Snow, he dies. By the way.
0: So that is attributed to this idea of cabin fever, you yes. know, being isolated and yep. this and that. Um, so it begs the question: uh, the, yeah, the stress that uh, being isolated, which, by the way, it doesn't have to be that you're by yourself, but you're in a confined space with reduced number of people, you can be isolated in a crowd. Hundred uh, percent. And that's perhaps 100%. what we're experiencing now. Yes. So that, to be with others, just to expand that, doesn't necessarily follow that you are connected, and perhaps with social media and. Uh, another ways of socializing that could highlight that you might be in a pool of people and still
1: be more alone than you were Uh, i think that's the worst feeling i think it's much worse to feel alone in a a crowded place feel like oh my god i don't know anyone everyone's having fun i'm i'm stuck looking at what everyone else is doing on my phone i'd rather be sitting on my own you know with no one within 10 kilometers of me i'd feel much more at peace in that in that scenario
0: yeah, absolutely. So so the idea is, um, how do we make sure that we get a positive um, outcome out of being alone? And again, we talk a lot about uh, white collar work, office work, and this and that. But for example, truck drivers, they're one of the most isolated professions yep. as miners and so on. But truck drivers in particular, and even though if they're in the mood, uh, in the move, and they see landscape changes, mm-hmm. and that they're still very isolated they have very dysfunctional families etc cetera, etc cetera, mm-hmm. out of that so it's something that is out of is a concern then work is um the white collar work is much more social and again we get our social cues out of it from as we discussed before so it's a balance of how we can um make sure that we take the the, the, the physiological and psychological and and all the requirements to be connected but also how we allow ourselves to be in that um solitude uh, that we can generate ideas that are not uh blending to you know the the common ideas Mm -hmm. if anything innovate um
1: yeah yeah that's yeah interesting uh I feel like with the um, isolation or solitude, I feel like that's a – would you say that that might be best suited to, you know, personality testing the certain person? Because me, for example, I I know when I talk to people who say they love to be alone and that they live by themselves and they, they need their downtime and so forth. I need downtime, but I need to be surrounded by people. I'm not really good on my own. And that's my own problem. You know, that's nobody else's problem but my own and stuff that I have to work on. But I get, you know, if I sit at home on a Friday or Saturday night, it drives me crazy. But I don't like to go out and party. and be So, so I have to be active. I have to go walk my dog for two hours. Or I go to the movies by myself. Or I have to be doing something so my mind isn't on, shit, you're sitting at home on your own. Like, yeah. what? You know, it's so for me, maybe it's something that I could, you know, continue to get better with but do you think it's like it's really suited on the personality absolutely well did- how you handle the solitude and the, and the, all the isolation whatever way you think of it i should say i know it's the same thing but which which you deem it in your head
0: well you're touching on um, various things first that you're recognizing that not everybody is the same mm. so therefore that nuances in design which extends to organizations and then follow up into open plan and enclosed plan. That's why there are different types. But going back to the um, different ways of responding, uh, Susan Cain, she wrote a very interesting book called uh, Quiet. She reminded us that uh, we have a continuum or well, two scales of introverts and extroverts, right? And it's the difference of how much you get feedback from your environment and how you buy, bounce ideas. And yes, so people will... Uh, being that on that spectrum on that scale some people need the type of feedback that you require uh, others will benefit uh, from being more in their uh, by themselves and what we're seeing is that perhaps the type of environments that we're designing um promotes or fo- or or fosters the qualities of the extroverts you know a lot of collaboration meetings yeah. and perhaps you're not ma- making decisions based on the quality of the decisions but on the ability of the people or to thrive or to put forward an argument in those type of contexts. So you might have someone in the corner that is very quiet, but he or she might have the best answer, yeah. but cannot articulate it in the best way that someone that is pushing that agenda harder. Yeah. So at the end of the day, what do you want? Um, you want the best ideas or the best concepts to move forward. So the way the environment, the protocols, the rules that we create for them to surface are very important. If we only tackle uh, extroverts, for example, we're missing, as she's saying, uh, 50% of the population on average or whatever the distribution yeah. is uh, to benefit from uh, putting those ideas
1: forward. Mm, that's really interesting. I spent um, I spent a little bit of time with um, some of my staff in Peru uh, in the last six weeks. Uh, they're Venezuelan. Um, staff that we have and they've emigrated to peru and um, i sat down vicky and ed and ed's very 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 shy um no shy is not the right word but he is an introverted kind of guy Um, and we work online for the most part this is the first time that i've met um these two team members of ours and um and very very quickly after meeting ed i realized that he was one of those guys that he doesn't say a lot a lot of the time, but when he does, you should really listen. Exactly, you know? right? He, he he was so so intellectual, so smart, and so uh, well rounded. And I, it was great that I was able to sit down and spend. We spent three days together, really. Um, you know, not much of it was work either. It was, you know, it was just just good times and and um, and catching up. And it was great to see that side of him. And now, you know, I know that I have to be able to. Foster Ed's, you know, or or, or allow Ed into, um, yeah, to to play on his strengths because we have a, even our team meetings. I'll ask a question. I'll be discussing with Ed, and I'll ask a question, and all these people will jump in, and I notice it now. All these people will jump in, and I'll take their their thoughts and their um, conclusions, and and then I'll say, "What do you think, Ed?" Exactly. Because he obviously he would just rather probably sit in the background, so. Yeah, that's um, mm, that's interesting. So, um, there is another thing I wanted to talk about. Um, uh, so it was um, talking about uh, obviously we talked about truck drivers. It made it made it kind of click in my head. We we're talking about truck drivers before on the isolation that that they go through. Um, so have you had much thought on um, uh, and and I know obviously being, you know, part of workplaces is what you do so have you been around the ai space and talking about the 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 fact that you know artificial intelligence will replace lots of our jobs and what are your thoughts there are you are you are you an optimist are you a pessimist are you still figuring out your thoughts
0: i'm actually an optimist in the sense that i cannot wait for ai to really take over those type of jobs because Mm -hmm. again the more um, type of jobs it takes, it defines what it means to be human. Uh, you know, we look at the three main dates of AI when we lost against Kas- uh, Deep Blue, Kasparov mm-hmm. le- lost against Deep Blue, or uh, Jeopardy, Watson, mm-hmm. and uh, Deep Mind with Go. Uh, those were, uh, uh, you know, characteristics or attributes that we thought um, were exclusively human. The abilities to win those games, we thought a computer cannot win Jeopardy, the yeah. way the questioning structure is very complex, yeah. or chess strategy or goal, even more, more complex. So, uh, And now it has won. Uh, the AI beat us, so we need to redefine what, is it, what it means to be human. The problem is that if you see, if technology was here and humans are here, uh, before AI, technology, a pencil, a pencil is a technology, a pencil never strives to be a human. So Mm -hmm. the evolution of technology was parallel to to humans, never to be met. Now AI, it's technology that aims to be human in some instance, so it's trying to do this. So eventually it will meet. However, the thing is, That when you think about it, humans might get closer to become AI because the type of behaviors that we reward um, are more in alignment with the brief of a 20th century machine. So at the same time that technology is trying to become humans, the behaviors that we're rewarding from humans are those of machines. So we want people to be reliable, uh, productive in in not a very dissimilar way that we expect uh, a machine. So keep going in this idea of that we should promote this type of productivity in the workplace. That is a legacy of the 20th century, uh, conve- uh, you know, uh, industrial revolution. Mm-hmm. It's perhaps um, not conducive to the new uh, iteration of work.
1: I don't think it's conducive to human beings in general. Exactly. I right. think, so. The, because uh, it's not I, human <laughs> yeah yeah I, I briefly mentioned um, a new company that I started um, um, before the show it's called Athena Virtual it's an outsourcing agency um, and we're trying to focus on giving entrepreneurs their life back our, our whole hashtag is um, give back life and yeah. it's trying to give back life to entrepreneurs on both sides of the world because we're not built for work you want to you enjoy what you do day to day but I don't think anyone enjoys working 60, 70, 80 hours a week you know, um, and I think if we are trying to build characteristics of a pro- productivity machine, then we're going down the wrong path. Absolutely, um, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a healthy way to be. So, um, and just to elaborate on
0: that, so during my walk, one of the things that I was thinking is, okay, so what it, what it makes, make us human? You know, what is mm-hmm. distinct to technology, especially to AI? And after a lot of thinking. Um, I, one of the conclusions was that perhaps absurdity, mm-hmm. when you think about it, is one of those things that is perhaps very difficult to model. Everything that is, uh, uh, and I'm not an expert of AI, at the end of the day I'm an architect, but I've been uh, socializing this idea with people that are in, in this area. And absurdity is very difficult to model because all these AI uh, logic-based models once you try to model absurdity, it feels contrived because it needs to follow certain rules. Yeah. So perhaps our last competitive advantage over um, AI is absurdity. Mm-hmm. So, and if the workplace needs to embrace the qualities of what it means to be human, perhaps the workplace should embrace absurdity, be absurd. Mm-hmm. Now,
1: that's an absurd thing to say. To be That's honest. an absurd thing to say, and <laughs> very I, human of you. It's very human.
0: So, but how will you engage in in the current context that we're right now, which is hmm. uh, trying to push forward productivity, logic, rationality? Say, hold on, I can have an idea. What if we foster or promote uh, uh, absurdity? But when you think about it, yes, it's absurd. But then again, that is human.
1: That's perfect. Mm, that's um yeah. That's a, a good way to look at it. Surely um surely the, the biggest characteristic that makes us human is love and connection, right? Wouldn't that that would be a huge one? Like I mean, that's realistically when I think about when you mentioned that we're trying to model humans to be more like AI. Really the thing that we should be modeling is we should be trying to be more human. And and to me, being human is just about the connections that you make, I feel like. I mean what else do we have? I feel like that's and that's something that computers. Well, they say you know that can will a computer ever have emotion, show emotion, be able to build you know build um, relationships in that in that way? And maybe they will. Who knows? But I feel like that's for mine, and I've done about twenty five seconds of deep thinking on it now. That's about as far <laughs> as I go. But I feel like that's the most human thing, uh, human characteristic that we have is is. Love and, and connection. What do you think?
0: Well, I think it has to be aligned with purpose. Um, so, again, through through the walk, another um, framework or the analogy that I was inspired with was the notion of uh, Sisyphus. I don't know if you know the uh, myth, the uh, Greek mythology of this guy that was uh, uh, punished by the Greek gods to push a rock up a yes. mountain just for it to fall. And do that until eternity. So, what drives someone to? So, there've been stories. Camus, Albert Camus, perhaps the most well known about this. Um, What is the motivation that you have at the base to start pushing, and in the middle, and then at the top, and then walk down and do it again? Very different motivators about what drives. So, it's trying to find meaning in the activities that we do, even if there seems to be meaningless. Mm-hmm. And perhaps meaning, um, one of the, all, uh, the insights that I have as well was our pursuit for meaning. Uh, you can find that meaning in love, in connections. Or, um, and the association that we do sometimes is so socially constructed um, that it only makes sense to you. Uh, or, or to the culture that it you were brought to. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, with the um, with the back to the artificial intelligence um, point. So, when you're talking about meaning, I've heard um, I've heard a lot of people on the pessimistic end of the scale talk about the fact that okay, so if Artificial intelligence takes 50% of our jobs, for example. And there's universal basic income that people will have no meaning in their life. They won't, people won't, a lot of people will be displaced with work. People won't find meaning in their days. But surely, I'm a very I'm I'm a very optimistically minded person when it comes to artificial intelligence because I feel like I mean, people find meaning through art and through hobbies and through sport and through you know, their personal interests. And if we had more time, say, say for example, artificial intelligence, there's a, there's a revolution and there's a huge amount of universal basic income being spread across the globe, surely that universal basic income would mean that we would be able to bring that working week down from 40 hours, 45, 50 hours outside of the Western world to people working 20, 25, 30 hours and finding more meaning in the things that they're interested in outside of work. That's my utopian universal basic income theory.
0: Yes, uh, absolute, you're absolutely right, but we don't need to wait for AI to, for us to study those type of um, environments. So, For example, Uh, This notion of occupational deprivation, there are environments that we can currently study that. I don't know if you can think about which current environment exists that deprives you of your occupation.
1: Which current environment exists that deprives you of your occupation?
0: Prisons, for example. So there is um, a field of research that study occupational deprivation, right? So what they do is they have been doing these studies and some uh, researchers 30 years ago study these prisoners that they will uh, they don't have a job. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have anything to do. So they will get up at 4:30 in the morning, uh, exchange privileges. you know there's no money there, so they will not get paid, but they exchange privileges so that they could actually feed the fish that they have in a tank mm-hmm. to have something to do. Right. You know, so that gives them purpose. Do they need to work for the money? No, because the money doesn't have a currency there in, yeah. in the prison. So what they do is to give them purpose, meaning something to do. Mm-hmm. So equally, uh, we can study research from, um, in Seuss, in there's these um, food um, enrichment programs in which they study non-human primates. Uh, that they really need to use their cognitive skills to give uh, to get their food. If you just put uh, food in a platter, th- these populations will not thrive uh, because they need their cognitive skills to get it. So the point is, yes, um, a universal uh, salary-based uh, income will allow us to. Uh, come to a solution with the current economic system because what we need to understand is right now the instance of work until very recently for the whole history um the work and means of production and livelihood have been linked but what we have experienced right now also is this disruption that perhaps uh what you do doesn't really have to be aligned with the means of production or how you achieve or gain access to services and products. So, in that regard, it, you need to find meaning and purpose in other ways. Um, so, base uh, universal base income perhaps will is a solution for for our current economic system. But if we change that, we might find ways of finding purpose and then machines. Uh, produce everything that we need yeah we need to understand that economy is it's not about money economy is the management of the most scarce resource mm-hmm. so it's what you want the most but have the least mm-hmm. Th- through the history of humankind has been perhaps money mm-hmm. but economies can shift and organizations you can see it now the, s- the economy of some organizations is talent quality time
1: well, it would have been food would have been the first major economy, really. Before yeah. there was money, it was everything was food-based, I would imagine.
0: So perhaps we're in a tipping point that we change our economy from money to other different, to purpose. Mm-hmm. And then, therefore, we will change our whole economy system. And yes, the universal base income will be a transition, uh, like an adapter between USB and uh, whatever it is in between. Uh, but then eventually um, we will have another uh, type of economy.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Have you ever read um, Lost Connections by Johan Hari? No. It's a really good book. Uh, it talks about It talks about the mental health epidemic that we're going through worldwide, and he has seven seven connections that he believes that we have lost. And one of the um, one of the one of the connections is um, connections to meaningful work. And one of the other is uh, one of the other connections is um, connections to uh, uh, a secure future, basically like worrying about your basic needs. And there's a there's a a town or a, or a, um, a region in Canada that have been um, doing a study on universal basic income since the mid '90s, I believe. Um, and all the studies, and they just basically it was just enough money to meet your basic needs of you know basically putting a a roof over your head and some food on your table and every marker every marker that you could check for wellness inside of a community so marital marital um, wellness mental health um, general overall happiness and well-being indicators they were all trending in the right direction in a significant way because people didn't have to go and slave away in the the role that they hated because they needed to they needed to, you know, put food on the table. People were able to work twenty-five hours a week and still survive and spend more time teaching their teaching their son how to, you know, how to ice skate or go go fishing or whatever they do, you know. They were able to spend more time with their family and 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 mainly they were able to to um they were able to know that no matter what happened, if there was an economic downturn or they they were injured or whatever that their family would be fine and they they wouldn't they wouldn't lack the basic basic needs um which i found was really really fascinating so i feel like hmm i don't obviously know enough about it to to be super um super super educated on the subject but i feel like it's going to be a great thing and and i mean at the end of the day there's going to be a lot of i don't know this might be might be different but every time that there's a major shift in the way that we the way that we work there's new economies created from the, the old economies that, that died you know think of the internet for example like the internet took over so many jobs and now everyone works in it you know so that might not be the case with artificial intelligence because it's a it's a whole new style of revolution but i'm very optimistic about artif- uh, about universal basic income uh, itself yeah. and hopefully we don't turn into Skynet with artificial intelligence, and we uh, we can we can survive. No, absolutely. Itself.
0: And as you mentioned, basic needs. Uh, the, an interesting thing about basic needs is, um, once you satisfy, satisfy them, then you raise the bar of what a basic need is. So mm-hmm. if you go strip back to the basics, and again, this work was very. Uh, and lighting in that regards uh, the only thing that i needed to do was walk and really worry about whether where i was going to eat where mm. i was going to sleep very very basic needs yeah. the moment that society satisfies those you have a new level of basic needs mm-hmm. that perhaps is whether you have wi-fi connection or not whether you have uh, enough uh, likes in your instagram Mm -hmm. and then so i think we will adapt to a new world of basic needs and the more we satisfy them the more we go to the next level and then they Mm -hmm. become your next (laughs) basic needs Uh, because if you strip them down to what it they they are which is sleep eat uh breathe those ones once they're satisfied, you, you move to the next
1: you move thing. To the next thing. So, that's very human in itself.
0: That's very human in itself.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's probably not a great trait in the, human, uh, in the human being.
0: But let's not qualify them because one thing I came to realize, let's embrace them. Even mm. the, the things that are our flaws perhaps could be our strengths. So, you know, if that is human nature, it's human nature and doesn't let's not jump too quickly to say whether that's uh, good or yeah. bad
1: yeah no that's fair that's fair augustine we're gonna have to um get you out of here my friend um so before we do i've got three questions that i normally finish the show with um they're gonna be very rapid fire because we uh we need to wrap it up um but we'll we'll get to them anyway. So my first question is: your favourite travel destination on the planet? Where is that, and why?
0: Um, pretty much wherever I haven't been yet.
1: Okay, and what would be top of that list?
0: Um, eventually I'd like to do Aconcagua. So that's oh, something. Really? Yeah. So I've been sure. I done Kilimanjaro base mm-hmm. camp. Um, don't do some of those treks. Uh, Aconcagua. I don't think I'll ever go to Everest. Yeah. Uh, but Aconcagua is top of my list. I
1: also really want to do Aconcagua. Yeah, let very,
0: me know when. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I joined
1: you. It seems very achievable. Yeah, it's a very achievable, um, but still challenging pursuit. Yeah. I feel like. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, my, you basically answered my first and second question. Um, together because my first my first question is normally your favorite travel destination and then it's my your my second question is your dream travel destination but we'll go to my next question which is uh which is normally my last question which is um do you have any books that you like to recommend to people They can be graphic novel it can be uh, autobiography it can be
0: yeah and actually this is a recommendation that i got as a recommendation it's a book called the most human human Mm -hmm. and it's very aligned with what we've been discussing is, um, you know, with the Turing test. Yeah. Uh, so, obviously, there's one uh, team that is trying to push AI to win the Turing test, and there's obviously the human team that tries to compete against them. So, um, this book is based on the guy that was on the human side and trying to demonstrate to convince the, the judges that he was human. So raises all these questions of what it means to be human, what is technology. So it's a fascinating, very well written book.
1: Yeah, that's great. Um all right, cool. Augustine, where can people find you? Anything that you would like to plug, so on and so forth.
0: Um I there's a website of my work, is wwwsg 2snet
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Perfect. All right cool well thanks for coming thank on the you show. very much really enjoyed it
2: thank you thanks that's a wrap <laughs> righty guys thanks for listening if you enjoyed the show please um, support us you can do so by sharing the show you can do so by telling a friend um, you can do so by pledging on patreon that's www.patreon.com forward/adventurefit um, really uh, we really love all of our listeners and followers and, and so forth so if you enjoy our show then uh, try and help us grow and and tell a friend also don't forget to check out uh, trueprotein.com.au use the code advf for 10% off and adventurefittravel.com use the code radio for 10% off there cool guys see you next week